Hello, and welcome to the Extension Experience podcast with your hosts, Josh Bouchong, Trent Malachik, and Dana Zook. Here you'll find insights into Oklahoma agriculture from West Area Specialists employed by Oklahoma State University Extension. Their perspectives come from assisting county educators and producers in the areas of agronomy, animal science, and economics. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. My name is Trent Malachik. I'm Dana Zook. And Josh Bashong. Josh, what can we plant this time of year that's interesting? Well, there's some things that we've been getting questions on. Obviously, cool season crops are very much of favor in western Oklahoma. And so a lot of guys see that transition into spring planted oats as a pretty easy fit when they're used to growing wheat. Well, yeah. I mean, you get out of the 110 degree blistering heat and perpetual yeah. drought and try to plant something whenever it's cool outside. I can totally understand that. <laughs> <laughs> After spending several years of growing summer crops, I think I'll try to stay in the winter months myself. Yeah. But some reasons why spring oats a lot of it, guys getting out of summer crops too late to get back to wheat. So we had an open fall, wanting to get back to something to graze. Maybe they think their hay shortages are getting a little tight. They want something out there before their warm season forages take off. So it can help bridge that gap. Uh, some guys just looking for good quality hay, something to graze. Even some of our cover crop mixes and stuff, we're seeing more oats incorporated in those mixes. So I won't go into the your whole deal, Dana, but I'll kind of flip it over to you a little bit. So what makes oat hay good compared to other types of hay? Is there anything like physiological about oats that makes it more desirable in terms of hay? Because I kind of think, you know, we have a lot of problems with awns and wheat for when we're feeding the cattle and things like that. So is there, I kind of, I look to oats as being a little bit of a safer option whenever I'm putting cows on full hay. Yes, it is. A safer option, like like you said, ons are not as much of an issue, although it is if you get any mature small grain, you can have some issues with um, some of the plant being that mature head, but uh, definitely not as big of a deal from an on standpoint. Now, I correct me if I'm wrong, but any small grains that are cut for hay, we don't want to wait until there's grain in the head, right? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mice will eat oats if they're not in grain. So, well. <laughs> gotta, but yeah, for sure. Whenever we're looking at, for the most part, trying to get that hay dried down, you want the plant to have just headed, mm -hmm. but not much more. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be great if we could cut it in the boot, but like I said, a lot of custom uh, hay operators would probably be very upset with me ever suggesting that someone cut something in the boot because you'll never get it dry. Yeah. And less bales, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> There's less there. Decreased quality, increased tonnage. Alfalfa producers know all about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it it has, in my opinion, has the potential to be a little bit higher quality than your wheat hay and that sort of thing. And we'll talk about a sample that you gave me in here in a little bit. But I'm useful. Yes, you are. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for growing all the different types of crops. <laughs> but uh, it, yeah, it has the potential if you're cutting it right uh, to be just a little bit more leafy uh, than some of the other small green hays that we've talked about. Now, when you talk about traditional oats, I mean, you go back, back in time and you talk to some of the older producers who grew oats when they were younger or even prior to the last five years. I'll say that, you know, 
it seems like I remember oats when I was a kid. There weren't a whole lot of them planted, but they were just huge. You know, they'd be as tall as me at four foot or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And it seems like we had really leafy, tall oats in the past several years. Uh, I just haven't seen that as much. I don't know if it's just a, it could be varietal, but I think a lot of it has been, we've had some tough springs and then low rainfall. So it's not a miracle crop by any means. Uh, it can still get tall and rank if you treat it as such and have lodging issues and have all kinds of headaches. Yeah, so so you talked about planting oats because we weren't able to get back to wheat or something like that. And I totally agree with you. And I have a particular field that I definitely want to go in with oats this year because it wasn't planted to wheat. But it's not necessarily like I'm 100% ready and I think it's time to plant oats, is it not? What what kind of a planting window are we looking at and how much time do I have left to get my oats planted? For true spring-planted spring oats... We're looking at that typically in this area, north central Oklahoma, mid-February to mid-March. Uh, some guys push it earlier, beginning of February, but we want to see those soil temperatures at least into the 40s, uh, ideally at least 42, maybe 40, 45. Uh, some varieties, they say they might start germinating in, down in the upper 30s, maybe 38 degrees, but it'll just sit there and cause issues. So we want to have some decent soil warmth. Uh, before we plant so it just doesn't sit there forever before it gets up and going so we're looking at that 40 45 degrees fahrenheit and obviously a big tool to use would be mesnet.org to see those looking at bare soils uh, typically two inch depth you can look at four inches look over you know a few days time not just get that one day because we all know those cold fronts come and go so we see that soil temperature fluctuate quite a bit so Wait until you have good soil temperatures to get it up and going, and not just be stagnant, have seedling issues. So, Josh, let's test your metric. What is that in Celsius? Mm, not mm. off cough. You take about 40 <laughs> minus 30, get to 10, divide that by 2, so somewhere around 5 what degrees Celsius. Oh, man. 5 ninths or something like that. Yeah, it'd be pretty close to 5 degrees Celsius in case any of y'all out there are not oh, dealing in the Fahrenheit realm of that. things. <laughs> I don't think that'll be too big of a problem. Math I just wanted to mess with you. Challenged. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, what I am. <laughs> so yeah, you think about trying to grow a high quality hay crop, we always start off thinking, well, we need to harvest at the optimum time. And like you said, if you plant whenever the soils are too cold, you might have some areas of that field that are bare or something that will get sprout, get get that seed germinated, and then you'll have other areas of the field that aren't. So then you'll have that mixed crop out there that hasn't germinated all at one time and it'll be very difficult to harvest at peak maturity, you'll call it that. Yeah. Another thing affecting, like you said, that difference in emergence uh, plays throughout the whole crop. But you would think with oats being kind of a larger size seed, you can get by with a little bit deeper. But we compare it to something like wheat, it's kind of a weaker seedling. So you might not be able to plant as deep like our typical wheat producer will. Uh, most of the time, sub-inch, a half inch, three-quarter inch uh, deep, uh, maybe an inch and a half if conditions are good at the deepest. But typically, we want it up and out of the ground we don't want it to be saturated soils it doesn't like wet feet very well who does yeah not me i don't like wet feet either no. not a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> well now can i be successful no-tilling oats it is more challenging uh, like i said the seedling itself is kind of weak so it's it's going to delay that uh, early vigor even more than a clean till where you're getting that solar radiation from the sun to warm up those soil temperatures so planting a little bit thicker, uh, maybe know that it's going to take longer to get to that uh, peak production. Uh, but no-till is 
like I said, possible, but we don't want it out there with the thick thatch. We've seen a lot of failures and stands when we get too much residue trying to plant through that, get that crop off and going. Well, yeah, I understand if you're in a no-till situation, you would probably want to keep it no-till. But yeah. I mean, from by my calculation, plant notes is going to cost somewhere around $25, $30 for seed alone if you're putting out two bushels, which would end up being 64 pounds. So that's that alone makes me not want to plant anymore. I don't, yeah. I'm not exactly sure how to make that work. And then I also think about if you have residue, whether it's milo stalks or weed carcasses or things if you're trying to put up high quality hey you probably don't want that mm, that in your oat hay as well point. so yes so if you want to be no-till maybe mowing that field or harrowing it down really hard uh, would be something to try to knock those carcasses down because that'll be the first thing someone will look mm. at you oh there's a big radweed ragweed carcass in these oats i'm not paying you 80 dollars a bale anymore yes yes <laughs> very good point whatever it ends up being <laughs> Oh, I haven't had any trouble selling hay in the past. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. I love awesome. your I love your experiences. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I've also seen situations we've talked about before, you know, grazing crop residues. So falling something like that milo crop or that grain sorghum crop that you went back and grazed those the stalks, there's not a lot of residue left there. So that'd be a prime candidate to maybe get back to a cool season crop like spring oats. All right. So we've got them planted. What kind of fertility are we looking at? Uh, just like all other cool season crops, that rule of thumb is about 60 pounds of nitrogen will give you a ton of forage. Uh, so getting a good soil sample, know what you're starting with, uh, go from there. And if you are grazing and haying or just wanting to produce more, uh, up that nitrogen rate by another 30 pounds if you're wanting to try to do a dual purpose on it somehow, but either grazing and haying. But typically... Guys are around that 75 to 120 pounds of nitrogen. And P and K very similar to other small grains like wheat. So if you're going to with, try to plant oats and, and you're starting here in February or March, it's kind of a sprint to the finish, is it not? I mean, what are we harvesting that somewhere around the first week of June, late May possibly, depending on growing conditions. So when you think about fertility, you don't have a whole lot of opportunities for split applications. You kind of got to... <laughs> get it yeah. out there and be done depending on the type of rainfall you're going to receive and that has led to some other issues you know a lot of guys have the capabilities of putting fertilizer down in furrow with their grain drills and so we don't want to put too much in there it's going to be a little bit more sensitive to salting out probably uh, but some guys do put maybe 25 40 pounds at planting and then come by and top dress it once it gets going uh, so that seedling can handle a little bit more stress than all up front but it is kind of a sprint uh, some guys think it's a faster sprint than others. Some guys are short on hay. Don't know they're going to be out there till April before they have something to graze. But uh, it just all goes into how much forage you want and what you're needing to do in your operation. Well, sprouting plants in cold weather has its many challenges. I planted wheat November 29th, and that wheat came up probably the first week of January. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, before I could really see it. You know, I'm sure it was sprouted before then, but... I'm nowhere near being able to graze that. So, you know, obviously, so you're going to have to wait for warmer weather. And of course, oats are going to grow a little faster than that. But yeah, as a grazing option, planting in the spring, I wouldn't consider that to be anything that's going to going to help you right away. And that's another thing with that. You're not going to get a lot of tillering like some of our wheat producers are accustomed to. Like, for instance, comparing it to late planted wheat. That's why, like you said, planting that two, maybe even three bushels, which oats can be, you know, mid 30s on Test weight. I've seen some get into the 40 pounds per bushel, but typically it's pretty light seed. So planting that 70, 80, 100, 120 pounds of seed per acre. So you get that tonnage that you want, especially if you have 
non-ideal conditions. So now we've rolled through here. I've decided to plant. I've gone ahead and planted that. I've got my fertility. What about weeds? What Are there any options there as far as herbicide to spray weeds off? Or are they similar to weed or do I need to look for something else? You have to read the labels closely. Uh, some say small grains, but make sure you read, see if it actually says oats on there. Uh, but some of our general products, just like we use in wheat, are going to be labeled in oats as well. Biggest thing is usually broadleaf control, which we have some auctions and stuff like that we can get get out there on with. But just checking the labels and your agronomist or county educator, see what options you got for what weeds you have. That's my first question in going back to the producer what weeds are we going after mm -hmm. yeah and you would think agronomically if you're planting oats chances are you've been trying to get away from wheat yeah maybe that's to get rid of cheat or rye or things like that and if you don't start off clean when you're planting oats you're not going to get that oats those oats harvested in time before the rye or something like that has a chance to make seed so just kind of keep that in mind you got to start clean here in february or else you're going to end up with some of those weed problems later on those grasses that you can't do anything about I have seen some cases where it's a very clean field, maybe following grain sorghum or corn. Make sure that you don't have any residues from atrazine, any of the triazines products. They're going to have more residual control on oats. So make sure you look at your previous crop history as well. Maybe that's why the oats planted after other crops I've seen have been stunted in the past. <laughs> it's hard to know. Yeah. Uh, they might be half as tall because they had herbicide injury. Never know. Seems like more and more we see guys kind of always adjusting their cropping systems on the go more or less instead of trying to plan stuff out two and three years which we understand but make sure you keep good records on what you've applied to those farms and what potential issues you might be restricting yourself to to plant next time so we you know we get to this point you know we've, we've gotten our weeds taken care of and we're looking at harvesting as we spoke earlier you know most of the time we're talking about hay when, when we're planting oats in Oklahoma, if I'm going to harvest grain, in my experience, most of the time, that's because it rained too much and I wasn't able to harvest it for hay. Yeah. Uh, so we can get into kind of moving away from Josh a little bit over to Dana as we talk about nutrition from oats and from the hay standpoint and feeding oat grain. Uh, we won't talk about that as much today, but it is a possibility for, for people if they get stuck with a grain crop. There's also some individuals out there that are able to market that as as planting oh, their seed oats mm -hmm. after that, variety not specified usually. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Dana, I've planted oats for hay. I've got hay rolled up, hopefully 100% the way I wanted to. I've waited till that oat has just started to get its head out and I've gone out there and cut mm -hmm. it, no grain involved. What am I looking for? What am I looking at nutrition wise in terms of the nutrients that are available? Is it a great hay? You know, how is that going to fit into my feeding rotation next winter? Okay, so you gave me a sample that you took. And in my opinion, it's a pretty much perfect sample. Great uh, oat hay. And it looked like it was harvested correctly. Now, can you give me any details about it? Yeah, so that oat crop went out. I planted it for my brother, if you want to know all the details. Okay, lots of so, details. So, yeah, I planted that for my brother on some very clean ground. And it was... Towards the end of February, we were a little upset with how long it took to get it in the ground. I forget exactly what delayed us. Might have just been me. Who knows? But we got we finally got it out there. We planted 60 pounds, so it was a little thin. And that and kind of back to what I was talking to, Josh, I just didn't see see the vigor from that crop that I was really excited about. But I think it made it translate into pretty good hay because it was short. That oats about two foot tall or so. Yeah. So it was it was fairly short. 
we got it right whenever it was heading and we were able to get out there and cut it. We had good swathing weather and we, we swathed that down, got it bailed up. And then you dig into those bales, the hay's green. So it looks great. I mean, everything went really fantastic in mm-hmm. terms of getting it put up. The only thing I'm not extremely excited about is oat bales are a little spongy, at least compared mm-hmm. to my crabgrass bales, all bailed with the same baler on the same, yeah. <laughs> the same density setting. So those, those bales are a little spongy. They don't haul as well sometimes. So kind of keep that in mind. It can be a little bit different, but that straw is pretty hollow. So. Yeah, that's true. So the uh, nutrient quality of this hay we're talking about, uh, Trent gave me the analysis. The crude protein is at 12%, which is very good. Uh, and TDN, which is a measure of energy for cows, uh, total digestible nutrients. So the energy is about 62. Now, when we, just to reference back, our dry cow requirements, just basically a dry cow needs about 8% protein, 54% TDN, and a lactating cow needs about 10% protein, 58% TDN. So again, that oat hay at 12% protein, 62% TDN, is a pretty high quality, should be able to provide even lactating cows with the entire nutrient profile that they need. Now there's going to be some variability, right? Mm -hmm. Across the field, but pretty perfect in my opinion, hay for those cows, um, you wouldn't need to add too much extra supplementation, um, in this situation. So I can offer some ideas on that. Uh, I bought all that hay and I've been feeding it this winter. And I've been mixing it off and on, kind of trying to use it as a supplement. But honestly, it's kind of 50-50 the mm-hmm. way I split it up. And I had some crabgrass, which we had really great crabgrass growing conditions this past uh, summer. Too good because it was wet when I wanted to cut it. And the mm-hmm. crabgrass got rank and it was about three foot tall. I mean, this stuff was amazing how big it was. Turns out the quality was terrible. Okay. It ended up being 6% protein on crabgrass, which I've never seen that low before. And I was like, this is straw. Yeah. And the cows treat it like straw. Mm. So if you're trying to feed oats with that crabgrass, it is a chore. They mm-hmm. ball at you. They're mad. You got to make them eat that crabgrass. But I've been using it half and half. So I don't know what exactly that ends up being my total protein, but they're gestating cows right now. And I've haven't done supplementing other than just to make them go in a lot when I want them to, and they seem to be doing fine. But mm. I, I fully expect to switch over to oat hay full time when they start calving. Yes. Mix? Are you actually? No, I'm not. Blending, t- or I'm not TMR in it. I've no. got one feeder of crabgrass hay and one feeder of oat hay. And they'll, yeah. they'll eat the oat hay for a day and a half, and they'll eat crabgrass for a day yeah. and a half, and then we go back and forth. So. Yeah. So. That's probably a pretty good rotation, I would say. I mean, and that's what we say with producers in that situation. If you've got a high quality hay like that, they don't need that, you know, especially a gestating cow every single day. Um, you want them to eat that other hay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to get rid of it somehow. Trouble with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we see, you know, this is a highly digestible hay. It's pretty low um, ADF, which is uh, the least digestible plant component. So which out, without getting into, you know, the science of it. As we have a low ADF, we have high digestibility. So it really, through the digestive system of that cow, it really flows through and they're getting a lot more from it than some low quality crabgrass hay. It it flows. Yeah, I bet so. (laughs) You got to stay away from them Mm -hmm. (laughs) sometimes, right? So that, you know, don't want to get all into the science of it, but really high quality. And, And we see that with oats. They're just leafier, in my opinion, than wheat can be, especially rye. More like triticale hay or something like that is kind of what I've seen in the past. Yeah. And then going back to new, I realized I hadn't talked about the, the fertility on those oats and I don't remember a hundred percent exactly what happened. We put out a little bit per, in row, which yeah. I'm not 
you know, I wasn't incredibly happy with. It was a mix of phosphorus and nitrogen. And that's the part I can't 100% remember exactly what happened, but it was a little bit of a blend of both. And then ended up, total, we were shooting for 100 pounds uh, of actual nitrogen per acre. So that just kind of what ended up happening. So it didn't, it didn't need just unreal amounts of nitrogen to make good protein. But again, it had to do a little bit with the tonnage off that hay or that field because we struggled to get two bales the acre and those are five by six bales and they're heavy. <laughs> they yeah. are heavy bales because you go pick up crabgrass bale, pick up squats a little bit, you pick up those things and you can tell it's behind Really? Them, so. so have you had to feed any, are you feeding any extra cubes or anything right now? No, not right now. That's perfect. That's yeah. great. I mean, I kind of look at their stool and uh, well, it stays flat, so I don't worry about it too That's much. a perfect way to judge it. I mean, mm. when you're not, you know, testing all the time, we can talk about manure scoring at some other time. Oh, yeah. That's a great topic <laughs> a for a podcast. How do you get that across? <laughs> fantastic topic. <laughs> uh, the one thing we think about, too, is they talked about fertility. Oats, just like any other crop, but oats can accumulate nitrates. Oh, yeah. um, so too much fertility when you're not and don't have knowledge of the soil profile, right? Yeah. Josh is, is not good. So we've had, we had some input from a County educator that said they had really, really high nitrate oat hay at one time, which you can have high nitrate any hay, honestly, when the fertility is there and you have drought conditions when all the conditions are perfect. So it's just not immune to it. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. Well, we ran into that with Tef. We didn't think it would mm -hmm. be a nitrogen accumulator, but Leave it to an Oklahoma producer to figure out a way. A Western <laughs> Oklahoma producer. Oh, yeah. I didn't have that issue Eastern Oklahoma, but out here for some reason. Yeah. And that real world example we have about oats, if I remember correctly, that was under irrigation. So they were pushing that crop really hard. Okay. So the one that was high nitrates. High nitrates. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Typically a non-issue, but you never know. You just never know. Perfect conditions at any time. Yeah. Good excuse so. to go ahead and test that hay for sure. And then go ahead and throw that protein analysis on there as well. And we'll okay. be able to actually figure out what's going on, which that's what I love about this little case study that we talk about. Cause I knew that oat hay was good, but if I wouldn't have actually tested it, I probably would have been cubing uh -huh. and I've saved so much money and it, it justified the, the amount of money I spent on that hay, which it was high dollar hay. And oftentimes you have a hard time getting people to pay that. I just think about, I don't have to go out there and dump cubes. I don't have to keep bunks clean. I mm -hmm. just feed hay and I leave. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the cows have easier access. Sometimes you have boss cows that run other cows off and they just don't do well with cube supplement because you'll have that one cow that doesn't like to eat as much as the others. And free choice hay. I mean, I feel like everybody has a chance to step up there and get some good protein. So I've seems like my cows have been in better condition this winter and it hasn't exactly been a fantastic winter. We've had our challenges no. and a few snows and things like that. So I've, I've been incredibly excited about it. That's why I'm planting them again this year. Now, mm -hmm. again, it's only January getting into February now and those oat bales are seeing some mice damage. So yeah, I remember you, you telling me you that. might, you might think about wrapping an extra, an extra layer of net wrap or something there because that, because there isn't necessarily fully developed grain in there and they're still getting attacked pretty bad. Yeah. Probably one of those haze to make sure you use it up with the first year within mm -hmm. the first year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't last very long mm -hmm. if we wait till next year, unless you put it on some hard standing or, or maybe in a barn it would survive better yeah. but i'm just out on like everybody else side of the field out in the elements so yeah. trying to get it fed up as quick as possible well josh any last thoughts from you can think of in terms of getting this in the ground or or things to look for here in the next few weeks uh just sourcing varieties is always a question we get uh, we don't have any recent spring planted oat variety trial data for north central oklahoma for a long time but 
talking to your seedsmen. Uh, we do have some varieties available, and Oklahoma Foundation has OK Oats usually. Those are Oklahoma-proven variety. OK Oats is an O-K-A-Y. Yes, oh, correct. Right. Yeah. They're, they're OK. <laughs> uh, but you don't want to just go down and buy your dry feed oats. Those are going to be off-label to plant for seed. Try to stay away from that as best as possible. If they come in a bag, they may have come from North well, Dakota or who knows where. Yeah. You know, yeah, it might not be adapted for our particular area. So. But it could do good, but it's still their seed laws in place for that. So. Yeah. Well, we hope you have a successful oat planting season, and that and this crop works out for you. Or possibly looking at next year as another option as kind of a, a gap stop there in case you didn't or weren't able to get wheat planted and you're looking to get something in before maybe double crop soybeans or something else. It does offer a lot of opportunities in terms of different things. Just think, consider the herbicide yeah. situation and everything else. Cause you're planting right before um, some other spring planting crops, but and you can still get back to Milo again this year. Yeah. Moisture dependent, but yeah. So kind of seems perfect. What could go wrong? It might not rain. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today and we'll catch you next time. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. If you would like to hear more or follow up on the discussed topics, please reach out to your local county extension agent. OSU has a presence in all 77 counties with educators eager to assist you. Also, please consider checking the description for links to our social media pages and further information pertinent to the conversation. Thanks again and we'll talk to you soon.